My Seven Chakras, episode 262. You're not as good as you think you are. You're better. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we provide you the ancient wisdom and action steps that will help you improve the quality of your life. Now, if you're new to the show, then I want to give you a warm, warm welcome. And before we actually begin today's episode, I've got a couple of announcements to make. Firstly, over the years, many of you have reached out saying that you'd like to support in some way. So recently, I started a Patreon page for people who'd like to support our movement. Visit my7chakras.com forward slash patreon that's my seven chakras.com forward slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n for those of you who don't know patreon is a platform that allows you to donate a small amount each month to support the expenses that go into creating uh, uh, this podcast that is part of production graphics and equipment and this way i'm able to provide you more episodes better quality content and life-changing information at your fingertips right so to learn more go to my seven chakras.com forward slash patreon and you can get started for as less as seven dollars and also many of you have been uh, inquiring about the my seven chakras reading list based on books that have been shared and recommended on the show to access that list to get your free downloadable pdf document visit my seven chakras.com forward slash reading list it's my seven chakras.com forward slash reading list and with that being said we're ready to bring on our special guest for today doug Vermeeran. So Doug, are you ready to inspire? Let's do it. This is going to be fun. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So great. So internationally renowned speaker, leader, mentor, and filmmaker, uh, Doug has interviewed 400 of the world's uh, business and motivational leaders to glean the wisdom that creates personal power mastery, the skill of leading a life of achievement and success on every level and he's distilled that wisdom into a book which is being hailed by many of the preeminent leaders of the personal growth movement as a blueprint for overcoming limitations bad habits and beliefs so that you can ascend to higher levels of mastery accomplishment and financial attainment now douglas has authored three books in the guerrilla marketing series he is the producer and director of three of the 10 leading personal development movies ever made including the opus the gratitude experiment and the treasure map so we have him on our show today and thanks a lot for joining me Doug oh thanks thanks that's a, that's a very kind bio that you've given there as well i appreciate you oh it's really inspiring i mean i've just uh, i took some time to go through your work and of course i have heard you in the past uh, uh to people in my network and cool. you've done some amazing work uh and it's great that you've been able to condense all of that into a book so that people can um you know go through it and learn more about how they can attain personal mastery in their life uh but before we actually begin i've got a quick question for you yeah. we start off our show with some inspiration so what is your favorite inspirational quote these days and how do you apply it in your life 
Wow, my favorite inspirational quote. That's a really tough question because you see, I'm a collector of quotes and wisdom, mm-hmm. and so uh, I, you know, I guess if we're even to look at kind of the beginning of sort of how I uh, started getting involved in changing my life, it really was, you know, through collecting these kind of quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's my favorite quote? What's my favorite quote? Um, you know what? I, I think it changes all the time, but the one that comes to my mind right now is one from my friend Alex Mendozian. And Alex is a speaker as well. Here's the quote that he shares. He says, you're not as good as you think you are. You're better. And I think that that's really an important quote for all of us to realize is that I think sometimes we sell ourselves short. We uh, we kind of place ourselves into this idea that you know we're not really always good enough or not really worthy. Mm-hmm. And I think the the truth of the matter is, is we're far better than we've ever imagined. Wonderful, wonderful. That's an amazing quote. And that is something that I think me as well as people who listen to the show are realizing on a day-to-day basis as we go through different episodes and meet new people is that you're not as good as you think you are. In fact, you are better because we are our own worst critics sometimes. And I think it's, it's, it's time that we realize that there is greatness that is meant for us. And we just need to follow the steps that others have followed uh, in the past to really realize our greater selves. So with that uh, amazingly powerful note, let's begin. So what really inspired you to write your book? Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's funny is I, I never, I know, I know you're going to ask me also a little bit about kind of my life's journey here, but I guess just to sum it all up, I really never, ever intended to write a book. Mm. I never intended to be a speaker. Um, I think for me, and we'll probably, you know, through the course of this interview, get more into this. I think for me, it was that as I saw the people that were being able to lift their lives better, to improve their situations based on the information and the content that I received, uh, through my interviews with more than 400 of the world's top achievers, I, I found that it needed to be more accessible. Mm-hmm. Up until now, we've been teaching these things only in a three-day seminar that if you were lucky enough to have it come through your area, um, you could attend. But I had so many people who wanted to attend in parts of the world where we we weren't yet visiting. And quite frankly, there's only so many you know weekends in a year that you can get out and do seminars, right? And so... Mm-hmm. It was really an effort to make this this powerful content available to as many people as possible. That's what inspired, really, um, the efforts to put this information into a book. Got it. Now, now before diving deeper, I want to get an understanding of the term personal power, right? So, what yeah. falls under this umbrella term of personal power? Well, you you know, I I think we need to keep the title completely together. So we also need that word mastery at the end. Let let me maybe share with you kind of the way that we look at this now. Here's kind of the long and short of it is after interviewing 400 of the world's top achievers and then teaching this over the last decade to thousands of people around the world, I've noticed that there's really five key areas that everybody sets goals in and five key areas that they are, you know, uh, establishing dreams, saying that there's things that they want there or want to achieve more. And so when we talk about personal power, it's really about attaining power in each of those five areas. And there are they all of them are all interconnected. Mm-hmm. So let me maybe just go through what those five are so you can see and, and guaranteed if you're listening and you've got goals and dreams, they fit into one of these. So the first is what we call the area of self, and that includes self-worth, self-confidence, self-fulfillment, and so forth. The second is what we call spirituality, and that doesn't just mean religion. In fact, it's much broader than that, everything from a connection to the universe around us to, in fact, bringing our own beliefs in harmony with our actions and creating more congruency on a spiritual level. The third is what we call health, 
And that can include such things quite easily as, you know, learning how to lose weight, eat better, work out, quit smoking, etc. But in fact, there's more to it than that. And perhaps we can get into that a little bit later on. The fourth one is what we call relationships. And that can include but isn't limited to relationships with family members like a spouse or a child or maybe even your parents or other siblings but it actually includes all the relationships in our lives everything from the communities that we belong to to the people that we have supporting us and even influencing us on a social level and by the way um, one of the things that i think a lot of people forget is even how you spend your time on such things as social media that's a Mm -hmm. form of relationship that you have and then lastly one that we hear expressed most often is what we call abundance And that doesn't just mean money, although most people talk about, you know, when they say their goals, they say, I'd like to have financial freedom, or I'd like to travel, or I'd like to have a bigger house or a nicer car. I mean, those are all things in abundance, but it also includes such things as our freedoms, the ability to choose our opportunities and how we express ourselves and our potential. So the thing that's maybe remarkable to notice about these is as we looked about these, let's call them five points on a star, maybe Mm. with yourself in the center is that a lot of times our human difficulties come because we try to take shortcuts to get to one or the other. For example, some people say, well, my goal is to have a really good relationship, and wow, there's a very good-looking person. I'm going to you know, go out and have a relationship with them. But we forget these ideas of connecting to ourself first or the spirituality first or some of these other things, and so therefore we present an inauthentic version of ourselves that we hope will win that relationship over. Now, that might work in the short term, But if you think about it, that's why there's so much, you know, challenge in a relationship later is that sometimes people have represented themselves to be one thing. But once the relationship gets going a couple of years into it, it's very hard to continue that facade. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same thing is true of wealth. Oftentimes we have people that they really, really want the money, but they end up again sacrificing such things like their integrity and other things that are earlier on in the star. And so, therefore, when they do create the wealth, they do it in a way that's not sustainable or it's, quite frankly, um, you know, unethical or unethical. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that we understand that all of those elements in the star are connected. Um, you know, just one other quick point on this is a lot of times people, when you ask them to set their goals, they focus on the things that they want to do or they want to have. You know, in fact, in Personal Power Mastery at the seminar, we ask people to make a list of their top 10 goals and we give them a really limited period to do it. So it's very authentic to who they are. And people generally list, again, what they want to do and what they want to have. Mm -hmm. But what they miss, what they don't get, is that the goals that are probably even more important is what they want to be. And you've heard it before said that we must be it before we can do it, before we can have it. And that's really the sequence. If you want to expand what you have, you've got to expand who you are. And I kind of like, and maybe I'll finish with this point, I kind of like this idea that my wife came up one time. And she's probably one of the smartest people I know. You've heard the quote that said, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. But what most people have never heard is that being speaks even louder than actions. When we are the right thing, we automatically do the right thing and we have the right thing. And even if we make a mistake, sometimes we do the wrong thing, but we're not intentional with it. If we have been the right thing, if we are the right thing in the beginning and we do it with good intentions, a lot of time it's easier to be forgiven and the trust in a relationship remains intact. And so I think it's so important that we recognize that everything starts with who we are. And, um, you know, a lot of that has to do with this idea of personal power and then mastery. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Oh, absolutely. And 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 actually, tribe realize that change is the only constant. We're constantly changing inside and outside as well. But if you have to change, if you have to move to a space of personal mastery, then you got to keep these key areas in mind. Which, as Doug uh, mentioned, is self, spirituality, health, relationships. and abundance and you can't make progress in just one area because the, each of these areas are interconnected they're interrelated and in order to progress in one area you definitely have to keep the other areas in mind and what also really struck me and this is something i've been thinking about over the last couple of uh, months as well uh, i heard uh, something along the lines of if you're thinking about goal setting if you're thinking about atta- attaining something in your vision then think about who is that person that you have to be in order to get there as opposed to or what do you want to have or what do you want to do think about who's this person that you have to be in order to attain or get to that place now uh, just wanted to ask you uh, this question dag which is what are some qualities or maybe habits that set high performers apart well that's actually a really easy question to answer and i'm glad you asked it because i think sometimes we we overlook it yeah. i think one of the things too can be found immediately in the title personal power and mastery First of all is that we have a lot of people who come into our seminars and they want to make changes. Uh they've either had negative relationships or they've gone through financial challenges like bankruptcy or foreclosure. We've had some people in fact who even from a health point of view they've either been diagnosed with terminal illness or maybe they've even lost a loved one and they are having a, a real struggle with that. So they want to make changes. And so one of the things that we point out is that word personal at the very beginning. We have a mantra that we share that is if you own it, you can change it. and the challenge with i think many people is they're not prepared to take their own success personally or admit that they have to make the changes that they sometimes it's a matter of they don't believe that they can influence the outcomes mm-hmm. and what we've kind of found is that the moment somebody begins to get personally involved in their success and they really do own what's going on uh for example if they're having trouble in their business they're not blaming the marketplace they're not blaming their customers they're not blaming a product they're saying that there's something that I need to do or if it's the relationship they're not blaming someone else and saying you know that's a toxic individual and it's their problem um no when we really look hard at ourselves what we can do things start to be able to change. I kind of think of a, a relationship as a, as an equation. If 1 plus 1 equals 2 and you don't like 2, well, mm. you can kind of try and get the other person to become a 2, yeah. and that way 1 plus 2 equals 3, or you can do the change. And it's much easier for you to do the change than to try and force them to do the change. So that's the first word. The second word is what I'm going to call power. Remember personal power, mastery. Yeah. Power actually means the capacity to act or to take action. Now there's two elements of that that I think are really important to notice. One is what we're going to call a willingness to take action. Some people they know what they need to do. <laughs> people have been told uh, mm-hmm. or shown either through repetitive patterns in their life that certain things either don't work or that certain things do work. And sometimes people are willing to make a change, other times they dig in their heels and they're not prepared to do so. Well, what I have found is that there's a continuum of willingness. In other words, at one end there's stubborn people that don't want to work that resist any kind of efforts etc and at that end that low end of that willingness of continuum that lack of willingness on that end we find that that's where all the scarcity is there's less money made less opportunities poor quality of relationship there's bad emotional experiences there's oftentimes poor health challenges that go along with it that's that end but at the other end this powerful other end 
There's someone who actually, anytime they're given a task to do, they willingly do it and they do it with excellence and a quality that surpasses other people. In other words, you can't get extraordinary results by acting average. These people reach higher. Now, interestingly enough, there are even further levels than what we might anticipate. It's not just a matter of what we do. We've also heard of going the extra mile, which means when everybody else stops, we keep going. That's a form of willingness, right? Mm. And that's well rewarded. We know that people go who go the extra mile receive more benefits and rewards. But I want to share that there's even one level even beyond that. Mm. The, the way we call it in the book is actually called the pre-extra mile. And that means people who are so eager and willing that they actually anticipate the needs of others and they do things even before they are asked. And if you think about it, like let's just take this to a simple example. If you're at home and you're married, uh, especially you men out there, listen carefully, and you anticipate the needs of your wife or the household, and maybe you go and do something without being asked, like the dishes or the laundry, or you maybe clean the floor, or whatever it is that you do, you watch. That's the end of the spectrum that has the most rewards. And it's true in every facet of life. If you can anticipate someone's needs and serve them and serve them at a high quality and capacity before sometimes they're even aware of those needs, you'll find that that's where all the freedom, the opportunity, and the wealth and so far are. Now, there's that one last word too, mastery, that we have in here. And I think mastery is a very poorly understood word. Oftentimes, we attribute mastery to mean a, a level of excellence or a level of expertise. Well, it can mean that, but really what it means mostly is a level of persistence. You see, mm. mastery is something that occurs as we continue. Whatever we want mastery in in life doesn't come easy at first, and so we need to keep at it. We need to keep at it. And even when we think that we have learned all the answers that are there, we need to keep going. In fact, one of the things that I found when I interviewed the world's top achievers was that, in fact, top achievers are not perfectionists. In other words, they're not looking for things to be perfect. Okay. They're improvisers. They're improvisers. And so we need to understand that all no, th things aren't perfect. We're going to persist. We're going to carry on. And that's what makes us a master because slowly but surely we get better and better and better at something until we have a certain degree of mastery. Again, it's not perfect. It's not yeah. finished. But we're still moving towards that direction. And I think the problem with most people is that they don't have those three elements. They don't mm -hmm. own it personally. They aren't prepared to recognize that they have the capacity to act, and so they don't really do anything. And if they do, they do it grudgingly at the low end of the willingness continuum. And lastly, when things get tough, they aren't persistent. Mm -hmm. In fact, it, it just brings to mind, mind uh, one last thought. Um, one of the, my favorite success interviews, one of the ones that I did that I thought was really quite uh, inspirational for me, is I had a chance to sit with the actor Edward James Olmos. And some of you know him as Commander Adama in Battlestar Galactica. You've seen him in Miami Vice back in the day. You've seen him in Blade Runner. You've seen him in a million one of the movies. I was sitting having lunch with him, and I asked him, what's the definition of success to you? And he mm -hmm. said, well, some people think success is doing things that are hard, you know, doing the things that maybe you don't want to do. He says, that's not success. He says, success is finding the things that you love, the things that you really want to do, and then doing it even when it's hard. And I think that that's the difference is most of us, you know, we can find things that we like, but often when it gets hard, we kind of doubt or we feel like maybe this just wasn't destined to be. And I'm here to tell you that the universe tests us. If you cannot endure um, stress, you will not be able to receive success. And I think that that's, that's a really big problem for a lot of people is, is they can't manage the stress of getting there. In fact, just, just one other thought that I think is kind of valuable for this is, 
and, and I disagree with so many gurus that are out there. It's hilarious. I get hate mail all the time from people who say, you know, this is the way that it is. And, uh, and one of the things that I really disagree with that I think is just absolutely a shame is so many gurus that are out there saying you got to eliminate toxic people from your life. And I'm here to tell you that that's a very reactive scarcity mentality. Because as humans, we all have moments where we're not perfect, right? We all have moments where we're not ideal. And as I interviewed the world's top achievers, many of them did have toxic people that they needed to manage or they needed to still associate with in their life. They didn't run and they didn't hide from toxic people, but they understood how to manage them and they understood how to build boundaries effectively. And so where you've got so many gurus who are saying, if, if you don't like your spouse, just get a divorce. Or if you don't like the people in your family, spend less time with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's ab- absolutely wrong because you're now giving the power to others outside of you to dictate who you are. What you need to do is you need to build those boundaries and you need to understand how to work still with people that are not easy to work with. And as you expand that ability, your success will grow. It's kind of, you know, I know we're probably not getting into a big religious thing here, but if you look at all the top religious leaders of the world as a perfect example, when you've got someone that criticizes them or tells them that their, you know, religion or their beliefs are, are not correct or whatever, well, they don't immediately eliminate people. In fact, they include them, acknowledge what that person has said. They don't necessarily subscribe to it, but they say, I, I recognize and I appreciate your uh, ability to believe that. But they don't ostracize them and cast them away. That's not the spirit of love that creates success. So, And by the way, I'm not saying that you need to accept someone who's necessarily abusive because that's different. This is different. But what I'm saying is somebody that you feel is maybe toxic, I think we've got to be careful about how quickly we try to eliminate those people from our life because that does not show true mastery at all, right? That keeps you in a reactive victim state. Got it. So a lot of things over here and thanks for sharing that. Uh, what I got from uh, what you're sharing is that firstly, we need to take accountability and you need to take ownership of whatever's happening in our life, which is the personal aspect of it. Uh, and, 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 you know, we can't really influence or change everything around us, but what we can change is our reaction to it and how we take action. The next thing is that we need to be willing to actually make the change. Just the intention is not enough. We need to be willing in order to do it and also keep doing it and be resilient and be relentless and uh, even in amidst failure or or worry or stress like you mentioned we need to keep doing it because that's also part of success now my question to you is when you see all these people you see maybe olympic athletes or high performers or even leaders doing this coming back and keep doing the keep taking action in the midst of adversity and, and challenge where does this strength come from well, and, and that's a great question. In fact, um, I believe that the strength actually comes, well, the easiest way to express it is that, um, let me maybe suggest if you could imagine in your mind for the listeners, like a, a teeter-totter, a seesaw that you see yeah. at the playgrounds for kids. On one side, sitting on one side is going to be something called values. On the other side of the teeter-totter is going to be something called motivation. Now, here's the deal. When our values are very, very high, so imagine that's the kid now at the top. Well, it automatically puts our motivations as low, meaning that when there's something that is very dialed into what we value, it doesn't take a lot to get us started. We don't need a lot of motivation to get going. But now if you reverse that where values are low and motivation rises high, we can see that when there's something that people ask us to do or invite us to do and we don't see the value in it and it doesn't connect to our deepest values, it really takes a lot for them to motivate us to get re- get going on it. And we see that all the time, especially in a corporate setting where you know, people are either for the motivation part 
their promised big salary increases or promotions or any of these things. Or, of course, a high motivation is do it or you're fired. Right. But if that leader, if that manager, if you will, would understand all they really need to do is find out what the true value systems are of those that are, in fact, working there and dial into those, they wouldn't have to motivate so hard. People would be self-governing. And if you think about it, I don't think it's really that hard in most circumstances because if you're working at a specific job, generally you've chosen that in the very beginning because there were some values that you had uh, you know, that got you working at that particular position or pursuing that position. Now, I'm not saying that we all work at jobs that we absolutely love and adore, but you started there or considered that opportunity because of something that was valuable to you about it. And I don't think it was generally money because you can get paid doing almost any job, right? So there was something about that position that, you know, in the beginning you valued. And I think the problem with most management is they've never really tapped into what that was in the beginning or they've never really fed that enough. So ultimately that employee or the person involved loses sight of what it was that was originally valuable there. And by the way, this happens in relationships too. We see couples that claim they fell out of love all the time. And the truth of the matter is, is it's because they have lost track of what that original value was that brought them to that relationship. And sometimes, you know, I mean, that's just a matter of, you know, misinterpretations of what the spouse or what you have expected from the relationship. And other times it's just because, you know, what you valued actually was never really there in the beginning. So we've got to really understand the importance of what we value. That's what's really going to make it so that we can sacrifice for the things mm-hmm. that we really want. Because you're going to have to. You can't, you know, as, as much as people say that, you know, you can have your cake and eat it. Um, to sometime, Sometimes that's true. But for the most time, you're going to have to trade certain things to get the things that are most important, right? And mm-hmm. often people are trading what they want most for or what they want now, right? Right. Right, right. And, and and I've heard this a lot, you know, you need to sacrifice something in order to attain uh, a vision that you have, maybe on the longer term, right? I mean, nothing comes without pain. There's no gain without pain. Now, would you say that uh, having your values or under, having an awareness of what your values are that drive your decision making is similar to having a clear understanding of what your why is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. In fact, I believe that the clearer that your why is, in fact, when we did the movie The Opus, I I, uh, spoke about this quite a bit, is that uh, when you really determine what your why is, you're going to find that your how immediately appears, and you'll also gain power. Now, Mm. obviously, we talked about this idea of sacrifice and trade. Um, The truth of the matter is, is we're always making sacrifices. Right. The problem with most people is is that they choose those choices that are based on immediate gratification rather than long-lasting happiness or the things that we really want. And I believe personally the reason why that happens is because most people have never invested the time to find their why. And it kind of goes with what Stephen Covey said, you know, the guy that wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. And in that book, he says most people climb the ladder of success only to find that it was leaning against the wrong wall. And the truth of the matter is, is that all comes down to finding your values and your real why. What is it that you really want to have achieved? What is it that's really most important to you? And when you can start to figure that out, you can start to build your life to support that. And I think it's a really important exercise that most people never take the time to do. Got it, got it. And again, uh, 
it's important, like you mentioned, to find out what your why is because sharpening your axe is more important than actually cutting the tree because you spend more time sharpening the axe, you'll eventually spend less time and be more effective in cutting down that tree. Now, uh, waking up early and mm. success, do you see a correlation between that? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, absolutely, I do. And, and in fact, it comes back to that willingness continuum that we talked about, right? right? And one of the quotes that I also really like, you were asking me about quotes at the beginning. This is another yep. one that I wanted to kind of share. I struggled between the two. So here we go. Bonus quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, the quote is simply this. You cannot be 100% totally committed sometimes. And I think that that's a danger that a lot of people have is that when, you know, the sun is shining and things are easy, they're committed. They're in. Right. Like, no problem. I'll do it. But when it requires them to stretch a little bit or do something that's uncomfortable, that's when it gets difficult. And I think waking up early is one of those things. Another one of those things is getting off social media for some people. Another one of those is shutting off the TV. And I'm not criticizing people that do that excessively. But what I am going to point out is that is a definite demonstration of how committed they are to their dreams. You know, those that are really committed don't just talk about it. And they don't just kind of say what they will do. In fact, most of the time, they don't say anything. But we do observe their actions. And those that are really committed are the ones that do it. In fact, I was recently at a seminar. Uh, in fact, this was about two weekends ago. I teach yeah. another program on wealth building. Okay, So I'm a, a really big um, uh, expert on building wealth and finance in your life. And the reason why is I believe that abundance is actually the highest manifestation of success, right? right? I'm not just talking money, but I'm talking abundance in all areas. But money is the measurable one, right? Money is the most measurable. Yep. Money and time, in fact, are the most measurable. And yep. as I came into the room, it was really interesting. There was a guy that came up to me and he said, I don't really care, you know, what you're sharing today or selling today or doing today. I'm going to buy it, and I don't care how much it costs. He says, I'm here, and I'm committed, and I want to learn, and I know that you've got the answers, and I'm ready to go. So just tell me what I need to do, and uh, I want to be the first in line. And I'm not, you know, the fact that you haven't even started speaking or taken the stage yet to me is irrelevant. I'm committed, and I wanted to show you that I'm here to learn. Well, you know what I did immediately is I gave him a discount on our programs. Well, why did I do that? Well, it's because action takers are a lot easier to help become successful than those who have to wait think about it, weigh the pros and cons, have to kind of debate with themselves and convince themselves that this might be a good opportunity. No. If someone is that eager and committed and says, I'm here regardless of what the sacrifice is, it actually reminds me a lot of myself because when I went out to interview some of the world's top achievers, I'll be honest with you, there were moments that it was scary. There were moments when I had to put my neck on the line. There were moments when I had to literally invest more than I had to be able to get an audience with some of these people or to travel around the world to connect with them in the hopes that, for example, one of the interviews that I did, I didn't even know if I was going to meet the person. I just made a decision that I needed to be in the same room and hopefully something would work out. And I just trusted the universe. But I wanted it so bad that I knew, well, let's put it this way. The universe is an echo chamber. And if you show up with fear or scarcity or doubt or any of these things, that's exactly what the universe will give you back. And everything will arrive slow with the same hesitation to which you proceed towards it. But if you show up boldly and you show up with confidence and you show up with commitment and you say, I'm here to play big at a bigger scale and, you know, here, here's what I'm willing to do. All of a sudden the universe says, well, goodness, I guess this person really is here to play. And the universe finds a way to make sure that you get exactly what you're looking for. 
So I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that we need to understand is just that quote, you know, are you really 100% committed, not just sometimes, but all the time, when it's early in the morning, and it's still dark outside, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to get up or you're going to roll over and hit the snooze, you get right. to decide. And by the way, one of the things that I think is kind of cool to notice, and this isn't just with me, but a lot of my students, is that many of the most powerful things have been accomplished far earlier in the morning before others wake up. In fact, two of my books that I wrote were actually written in the morning, even before anybody in our house was up. And I found that to be a very, very powerful time to collect my thoughts and really work uninterrupted. And I think that's a hard thing for, let's call them hustlers, many people who are hustling to build their dream day to day. It's a very hard thing for them to find. Many times they're willing, but the problem is, is there's lots of interruptions that happen to us. So that waking up early, I think is just a, it's a prime place of real estate, if you will, in your day to really just get an advantage, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I like the fact that you've uh, sort of touched the, touched on the topic of money and, 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 and finances because, uh, you know, money can be a touchy topic, right? Uh, people always have different types of connections and relationships to money. But what I found is that um, um, uh, money is not the issue. Money is not a problem. No. The lack of money that's where the challenge lies. And like well, you pointed it's, out, it's not even a lack of money that's the problem, which is interesting because here's yeah. the deal. Like money problems are never created by money, right? Mm. <laughs> They're created right. by mindset first. And one of the things that I think is kind of a bit of a challenge, and I know that you've got you know coaches and speakers and people that listen to this and people that consider yeah. themselves healers. And I think that that's wonderful. And I am all for it. I'm a big fan of the work that you do. So carry on. But there's a book that's written in 1910 called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles, and it was actually the foundation for the movie The Secret. Most people maybe aren't aware of this, but in that book, he says, whatever may be said in praise of poverty, the fact remains that a person is not truly successful until they are rich. And one of the things I take that to mean, especially in the coaching, healing, and speaking, and seminar business where people are trying to be of so much service, there's so, so often the expression that, well, you know, I want to be of value and service to my people. I don't need to be rich to do that. Well, can I tell you that you're lying to yourself because the truth of the matter is, is you're not demonstrating what true abundance and success looks like until it starts to overflow into every area of your life, which is your freedom, your time, your relationships, yes, Mm -hmm. your bank account and everything else. So if you are planning to teach people how to be successful, if you only have success in one or so of those areas of your life, you're actually a bit of a hypocrite because you haven't really experienced true success. So I'm going to say it becomes your duty as a teacher to show people that they can have that abundance in all areas of their life, right? It's important. Oh, absolutely. And I totally agree that uh, having that abundance like you've pointed out, will also free up your time because now you can uh, commit to tasks that can allow you to serve at a higher level Yeah, and, well, and do so much and, more. And this also brings a, a, to point uh, one of the conversations I was having with someone yesterday, uh, just this idea of being a coach or a servant. You yeah. need to bring prosperity into your life because it will also allow you to serve more people, right? right. Uh, right. So just very important that, that we understand that we don't cut these possibilities off And what I kind of observed in life is those that say, well, money doesn't really matter. You'll never, ever hear a rich person say that. You'll only hear broke people say that. And the reason why is because they feel like they're not being successful there. So they're trying to give themselves an excuse to not have to be accountable for that area of their life. 
So I'm yeah. here to tell you that you know <laughs> it, it just doesn't cut it. People see through that, and you need yeah. to stop saying that. If you're here to serve and you're here to be successful, and and you're going to spend the time anyways, make yourself prosperous and abundant so you can serve more people and be a greater example to those that you serve. Wonderful. So 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 Doug, going back in the past now, how did you first come across the field of uh, personal mastery. What were you doing? What was, was what that? What was that situation like? Yeah, well, this is a great question, and it's kind of cool because it really connects to what we just talked about with money. Yeah. Are you ready? I <laughs> yes. was broke. I was totally broke. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I still remember I went into a uh, shop shopping uh, store, like a uh, supermarket, and yeah. uh, I put down a milk. I put down a loaf of bread, and I put down four of these instant noodles. The total came to four dollars and twenty-two cents, and my card declined. Now, <laughs> kind of where did I get my money background? Well, the truth of the matter is, is my, my dad worked in construction when I grew up. My mother babysat kids in the home. They were involved in what I call the poverty pattern, meaning that they worked, 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 and then they paid, 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 and just enough yeah. to cover their bills, right? So yeah. they were always just trying to do their best. Now, here's the thing is that most people have heard this idea of work smarter, not harder. And the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is everybody is doing that now. You're working as smart as you know how to get ahead. And so were my parents. But the truth of the matter is, is our bank statement is always a report card of how well we understand that idea of working smarter, not harder. And at the time, quite frankly, I didn't really know much different than my parents or the community I was raised in. And so we were lower middle income family. So this is kind of where things changed. I took a summer job because I was told that, again, you have to work hard. And the summer job was selling pest control door to door. So in other words, I would knock on people's door and I would tell them that they've got bugs and they should buy a pest control program to protect their house. And as you can imagine, first of all, no one likes door to door salespeople. (laughs) (laughs) They like them even less when they're telling them you've got bugs. And so I wasn't really successful at the time. And it was estimated that I knocked on about 22,000 doors that summer. And it wasn't in the beginning super profitable for me, and I got kind of discouraged. I thought, wow, I'm going to have to head back to school and take my student loans and all my credit card debt and my car payments and everything back with me. And, you know, it, it wasn't great. In fact, I had bill collectors calling me, uh, and many of them, in fact, knew me so well by name that it was just it was a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, I was at the point of discouragement. I was really discouraged, and I don't want to – gloss over that or paint it lightly i was really discouraged in fact to the point where as a young man i at times was depressed to the point where i didn't really see any hope and you know it it was it was scary it was a scary time in my life Mm -hmm. anyways at about that time i had a family friend of mine an older gentleman in kind of his late 60s approach me and say you know what um you need to do something. And he gave me two books. The first book was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. The second book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Both of those books had a profound effect on my life. This was my very first experience with personal development or any kind of self-empowering literature or anything of this nature. So it was really like drinking from a fire hose. And when I read Think and Grow Rich particularly, you'll remember for those who have read the book that Napoleon Hill wrote that book after interviewing firsthand people like Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, the Wright brothers, uh, John D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie, many of the top successes of his day, people who had amassed a fortune by doing things in a certain way. And by reading that book, I started to discover a power within me that I didn't know that I had, a belief in myself that I didn't know that I had. But more importantly, kind of what that book 
uh, ignited in me was actually a desire to start surrounding myself firstly with better people. I recognized that those that I allowed to influence me in my life were going to ultimately have the most impact on the outcomes that I would experience. Right. And so I started to suggest to myself I couldn't any longer be hanging around with some of the friends that I was that were not producing results, people that were content to be teenagers, and every dime they made, they blew out the the, door, the the back door as quick as it came in. And some of them, of course, were, you know, I don't want to, you know, criticize anybody, but it was a party lifestyle, right? They were living as young teens, right? Or mid-teens, late teens, early 20s kind of thing. And yep. so what I did is I made a conscious decision that I was going to start going out and learning from top achievers. Now, in the beginning, I didn't set out to interview 400 of the world's top achievers. I just started out to actually learn from a few people that I knew who were millionaires and so forth. And one of them actually uh, gave me a really cool insight. So I was sitting with him after about six months of regular weekly visits. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, there's one question you haven't asked me so far that's actually going to change everything for you. I said, well, what's that? He says, well, you haven't asked me who else I know that you should talk to. And so I began to ask that question at the end of every successful person that I met. And by the time I was done, I ended up interviewing and getting time with more than 400 of the world's top achievers, everybody from Warren Buffett to Bill Gates to Richard Branson to Mark Cuban to Donald Trump to Oprah Winfrey to Ellen DeGeneres to some of the biggest names on the planet, companies uh, that we all know, everything from you know the founders of FedEx to Nike, Reebok, the Avita Group, Disney, uh, McDonald's, Fruit of the Loom, Christian Dior, Jordache Jeans, Expedia, Uber, Ugg Boots, etc. And so I got a chance to meet and spend time with so many of these people. And the cool thing is many of them have become friends. Many of them have become close mentors of me. And they also mentor some of our students in our wealth programs now. So it's uh, it's massive. Now, here's the cool thing, just to kind of maybe conclude this part of the story. Yep. is Remember, I was kind of in a, let's call it a state of catastrophe when I started. I didn't know what to do. My idea of working smarter was really kind of shallow. But by the time I was done, under the mentorship of these top business people, I was able to take my life and turn it around. At the age of 19, I did $1.6 million in my first six months under the stewardship, which is about $9,000 a day. Everything since then has obviously begun to grow as I've continued to have these people as friends. The lessons that I've been able to pass on to my students and others have also expanded their lives. The cool thing about this is uh, it's been pointed out through you know Fox and NBC and ABC and all the people that I now show up and talk to on television that no one since the days of Napoleon Hill has actually done such an extensive research or look into who and how success is created. Mm -hmm. So some of the materials that we share, which is really kind of cool, and I don't mean any disrespect to any of the other really great success books and literature that's out there. There's a lot of really good stuff out there, but most of it is incomplete. And most of it, it's like you're getting a photocopy of a photocopy of someone else's work. Or in other words, they read someone else's book, and suddenly they've written a book. And so since the days of Napoleon Hill, I'm not aware of anyone that's done as much firsthand real research into success with practical results, not just theory, but practical results that real right. world millionaires, multimillionaires and billionaires have used to create personal brands or Olympians have used to win gold medals or professional athletes have used to get on sports teams or professional celebrities have done to win Grammys and Oscars. And I've really got some cool stuff that... Um, I haven't seen anywhere else. And when you read this book, Personal Power Mastery, that we've just written, you'll notice there's quite a few things in there that are never 
ever in any of the other success books. And I believe the reason why is because, again, most success books, they focus on goal setting and time management and, you know, finding your values and prioritizing your life. But they really haven't got the full spectrum of how do you now build this in such a way that it's also sustainable. And that's the really important part. Got it. So, so based on what you've shared, you clearly uh, believe in the quote, which is your network is your net worth, right? And so it's important to have that social currency. And, and, and I also network. believe that in, in, in more ways than most people realize. You see, we talk about that also in terms of financial value, but the truth of the matter is the word network can be divided into two words, net and work. And net, if we look at the definition of that, there's really two kinds of nets. One is a, is a like a a fishing net, you know, the higher the quality of the network that you provide, the more quality fish you're going to have within that net. In fact, one of my mentors once told me, you'll never do a million dollar deal at a $10 breakfast. And so when you level up the people you hang out with, the kind of opportunities that come to you are far, far bigger and more important. That's part of your net worth. But the other part of that too is a safety net. When you have a larger network, a better network, the caliber of the problems that you're able to solve also increases and grows. I've noticed that as I have experienced challenges in my life, and by the way, your income is in direct proportion to the challenges you solve. Now here's Mm -hmm. the thing is that most people misunderstand the idea that that you solve means that you have to do all the work. The truth of the matter is, is I have delegated some massive problems to people within my network. I've asked for their help and I've gotten their support and I've made a lot of money off of things that other people have helped me solve. So you don't have to do all the heavy lifting yourself. You don't have to do all the work yourself. Now, on the other side of that word network is the word work. And there is a a caliber of work and engagement that is required to maintain relationships at a high level. And I think that this is something that a lot of people miss. And once you can learn how to, number one, attract a higher network into your life, um, you also need to learn how to maintain that. And by the way, that's uh, actually one of the newest books I'm working on. So keep an eye out for that and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I definitely believe that principle to be true. Got it. So you've shared some uh, really, really good nuggets uh, so far, which is something that I've taken down as well, which is after a conversation, uh, you know, make sure you ask who else do you know that I should be speaking with or talking to, which I think is gold. Now, you said that, uh, uh, you know, equal or even more important than, you know, connecting with people is also to keep in touch, right? To you know, uh, maintain that relationship. And I know that you're coming up with a book maybe in the future, but if you had one advice, uh, if you had to give one advice to our listeners in terms of, um, you know, not only uh, growing their relationships, but also maintaining maintaining it, uh, what would that be? Well, I, I think there's two things that immediately come to my mind. And one of them is to be involved consistently. Don't just show up when you need something. Okay. <laughs> and, and I see a lot of people making that mistake that, you know, when they've got a friend that's got a high net worth, Um, you know, even myself, I notice I I get people that knock on my door and the first thing they do is they ask for something. (laughs) That's not the best way to lead. The first way to lead is to actually be a genuine and authentic person, to be there as a friend without any strings attached. And also the second part of that I would say is to be of value. Like, you know, one of the things that I find is, is easier for me to say yes to. Like I have people that come all the time and ask for either donations or for me to invest in their company or for me to give them money or whatever. But I find that when I have somebody who doesn't lead with an ask, they first lead with what can I do? Or at least their ask is what can I do for you? Or they want to show you their service. Like I just actually had a a really cool gal that we met in the UK and we have made her a ton of money. But you know how she approached me? 
She said, you know what we would like to do? It says, I would like to, free of charge, help you build a way to put your, your stuff online in, ter in terms of content so that people can, you know, purchase courses and things from you. And, and I, you know, right away, I was like, okay, so what is she going to bill me for this? And I said, I, I, I expressed it just like I say, you know, I get lots of people that come to me for this kind of stuff. What are you wanting to charge me? She goes, oh, I'm not. I just want to show you that I can do this for you. And, you know, I'm happy to do it at my cost and 100% for free. Well, now, of course, I'm like, well, why, why would you do this? And as we began to talk, you know, obviously in the future, she's saying if she can prove herself and demonstrate her value, then maybe we can do some business. But she led first with the idea of let me show you what I can do and there's no obligation. And mm -hmm. I think that if you want to build relationships at a high level, we've got to start thinking from that abundance mentality. Your goal isn't to bill or charge someone. Your goal is, uh, is first to be of service. And it kind of reminds me of what Zig Ziglar said. Remember Zig Ziglar said, if, you know, if you want to get something, you got to help enough other people get what they want, and you'll get it next. And mm. you know, I, I guess just kind of also on, on that uh, kind of approach, you'll notice that if you start hanging out with more of the top achievers, like more of the high-level people, especially those that have created success – that there's a lot more givers there than there is takers. And when you meet someone who's worth several million or billion dollars, you'll find that they're not really as concerned about the transactions as they are about the relationship. They want to, you know, they, they really focus there. And I think that that's an important lesson to learn that as you start acting with that kind of energy, and if we were to, you know, even use the comparison of vibrational energy, if you vibrate with them on that level that you're there to give and you're there to serve, you're going to mm -hmm. find that they will really open some massive doors for you. In fact, I've got one friend of mine that I meet every single Friday, uh, still a, a really close friend and mentor of mine. He's worth about $800 million. And the interesting thing is that he's involved, and I got to be careful because you know I don't want to reveal too much about him. Uh, he's asked me not to, so that his phone doesn't go off the hook with requests for money. But um, he's very involved with a lot of youth groups and entrepreneur programs for youth. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is, is that when we met, you know, I didn't approach him for any kind of financing or anything. I didn't need it, but I did approach him and said, "Listen, I'm connected to a lot of other top achievers." Is there somebody that you need access to that would, you know, maybe you want to have come in and speak to the kids? Well, right away, we now had a synergistic giving energy between us, and we've done a lot of business together now. But it didn't start with us, what do you want, what do you want, what do you want? It's really what can I give? And I think that that's an important approach to take. And when, you know, when the trust is built and everything else is built, you know, I, I guess one other thing that I think is kind of cool just to point out about that, why your net worth becomes your net worth, is yeah. a lot of times when opportunities get into the public hands, all the money's been made there. It's already been made, right? Like you're too late. But if you have a friend that is involved in, for example, at the ground level of building something, generally they bring in their friends and they make all the money on it that they can before they bring it to the public. And so a lot of times just being a friend of one of these people and giving – they will make you aware of things that are coming down the line that are going to be making a lot of people a lot of money, and why shouldn't you be included in that, right? So I think just this idea of kind of getting into those circles um, it, it is really a, a big, big step in increasing the probability that you're going to become wealthy, and not just financially. Like I've even had these guys open doors for me to get involved in a variety of, you know, uh, opportunities that were exciting and life changing, right? Things I never would have been able to do or meet people that I never would have been able to meet just because I started by giving service and demonstrated that I could be trusted in those circles, right? 
So there you go, Action Tribe. I hope you are enjoying the session so far uh, in life. Try to be a giver, a person of value, and in terms of benefit from others, think long-term and don't start with an ask, but instead ask, how can I add value to your life, to, um, uh, to your business, or to what you're doing right now? So to read the entire show notes for today's episode, including the inspirational quote, the book recommendations, and certain nuggets of wisdom that you might not have been able to capture right away, visit my 7 forward slash 262 my 7 forward slash 262. Action Tribe, it is the holiday season and if you feel stuck, a bit clogged and out of alignment, then it's time to balance and heal your chakras. If you've been planning to but for some reason haven't been able to get into a healing routine and follow through and be consistent, then I've got some great news for starting 2019 with a fresh burst of energy. We've just opened beta enrollment for our brand new program called Chakra Sprint. Now, this program is a result of the learnings that I've had on my own journey after reading numerous books, attending workshops and interviewing 260 of the world's top healers, experts and visionaries on my show My 7 Chakras. Now, what's the program about? 21 days to greater balance, higher energy, more harmony and greater synchronicity. And this will work even if you feel like you're really busy and you don't know where to begin. And since we haven't officially launched yet, we're still in the beta phase at the moment. You get to enroll at a no-brainer and highly affordable price of $97 for the entire program, including all the bonuses, until December 31st. I'm inviting 50 action takers to partake in this experience. And as of this recording, we're already at 25, so about 25 spots more. And then we close enrollment. Now, this is not a 12 to 16 week course. This is an experiential program where I'll be giving you a daily plan which would include guided meditations, recipes, recommendations and reflections as we ascend chakra by chakra from the root all the way to the ground. Now, just imagine understanding your chakras through experience rather than through the intellect using books or videos, feeling more open, balanced and aligned to allow your life force to do its healing work. Just imagine experiencing peace, bliss, harmony and happiness in everyday life and feeling more clear, more vibrant, more balanced and energized on a daily basis. Just imagine standing your ground increasing your inner confidence, connecting with your heart, expressing your true voice and strengthening your intuition and aligning with the universe. Would you like to attract more opportunities, manifest your desires and experience synchronicities? How about deepening your relationship with your inner healer and your higher self that already has all the wisdom, guidance and answers that you seek. And you know this deep down within. If this sounds like you, Action Tribe, then I invite you to jump into the multicolored energetic ocean of your chakras by enrolling in Chakra Sprint with me. Visit chakrasprint.com to learn more. Once again, to get started, visit chakrasprint.com. If you didn't get that, it's C-H-A-K-R-A-S-P-R-I-N-T dot com. Action Tribe, let me be your guide and introduce you to the different ways of cleansing and balancing and opening your chakras. By the end of this program, you will not only find ways that work for you, but you'll also create a chakra balancing routine. The link you need is chakrasprint.com.
Now, success is due to our stretching to the challenges of life. Failure comes when we shrink from them. Now, this is a quote by John Maxwell. Action Tribe, let's face the facts. We get a brand new opportunity each and every morning to do something about our situation in life. We all have some type of challenge that looms in front of us, whether it's financial, health-related, relationship, or, or something else. And the truth is that we always have the power within us to do something about it and meet it head on. All of us have the strength and, and endurance to get through this difficult experience and learn something new about life from it. And if you're honest with ourselves today, then we would listen to the powerful words of John Maxwell, who reminded us that success is due to our stretching to the challenges of life and also persisting in it. So, Doug, speaking about encountering adversity and going through them, talk to us about one major life challenge that you've experienced. What did you go through? And then tell us how you overcame that challenge. Wow, that's a great question. I've got to think on that one. I, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, we often experience in life is just simply a fear, a fear that are we good enough? Is this an opportunity that is bigger than us? Can we do it? And I think a, a lot of times we we let fear kind of keep us from doing that. Um, the, I, the, the idea that comes to my mind or the situation that comes to my mind uh, occurred to me when I was actually quite a young man. Um, you know, like I said, I started this journey of doing the interviews at about the age of 19. And one of my first, I guess, opportunities to kind of grow my wealth and invest was very frightening to me. Um, I was given an opportunity to do an investment that was going to cost about $1,500 in my bank. I think I had about 300 at the time. And so I needed to borrow the difference. And um, I'll never forget, I kind of, with fear, took this to one of my million-dollar mentors, and I brought all the paperwork to him, and I said, well, what do you think? And I'll never forget, he said, well, what's the first question you should ask when you're given an opportunity like this? And I said, well, what does it cost? He goes, no. So that's the question that will keep you broke forever. That's what poor people look at is the obstacles, the obstacles. What does it cost? And that's a very scarcity-driven question. Then he asked me this question. He says, if something cost $100 and you lose the $100, what did it cost? And I said, well, $100. He goes, okay. He goes, if something cost a million dollars but it made you $10 million, what would it cost? I said, well, it didn't cost anything. It just made me money. He goes, so the question that you need to ask in life whenever you're faced with a fear or something like this that you're afraid of, he says, you don't ask what it costs. He says, how much could I make? How much will it make me? And I think this is a true of every experience in life, not just money. You know, if there's a relationship that, you know, it's kind of frightening and maybe there's somebody that you need to go talk to or somebody you need to introduce yourself to, a lot of times we let fear, you know, kind of hold us back because we think, oh, maybe I'll be embarrassed or I'll say the wrong thing or they won't talk to me or, you know, it won't go right. But that's the wrong question. The, the right question is, is if this does go right, what would it do? And we find more often in life, we get further ahead by saying yes than we do by saying no. In fact, no, I can't really think of many circumstances that's actually created something. Now, I'm not mm -hmm. saying that every time we say yes, we get a perfect score. We don't always get it 100% right. But the one thing is for certain that as we say yes more often, we definitely, we definitely see results, right? And it may not happen at first, and it may not even happen perfectly, but results do show up. And so I think it's really important that we make ourselves available to possibilities, 
right? That's really what we need to do. And this whole idea of fear as well, I had somebody on an interview ask me yesterday, they said, um, you know, how often do you get afraid? Like, you know, uh, this idea of fear, you know, what was the, the situation in your life where you've been the most afraid? Mm-hmm. And can I tell you, the truth of the matter is, is if you don't get afraid regularly, you're actually not living big enough, even right now. So when people ask me, what's the biggest time that you've ever been afraid? I'm going to say it's probably about every week. I try to find things that will push the envelope. (laughs) And if you're not afraid and you haven't been afraid for a long time, you're obviously not thinking big enough. Now, it's okay to be afraid. The difference between being afraid and letting fear overtake you is really what you'll do with that fear. And I think an important thing to remember is that we always will put ourselves in the place of fear, we'll face fear. And if you think about this in real life, like if one of your family members was in harm way, you don't care about the fear. You do it. So my question is, is if you're not making yourself afraid regularly and you're not pushing yourself through the fear, I don't think you're doing enough of what you love. I think you need to dial more into the things that are really getting you excited and you need to pursue your dreams at a higher level and higher capacity. And if you'll do that, I believe that you'll find the exponential equivalent of the rewards will flow into your life. Got it, got it. I think that's a very powerful uh, lesson to take away from your story. And I'm sure many of our listeners listening are taking notes right now or maybe at least uh, internalizing this, which is firstly, make sure that whenever you're taking a decision that you're asking the right questions. That's number one. Number two is don't look at just the negative side, but look at the positive side. What if this could go right? You know, yeah. what are you going to make, right? So that's the second thing. And also, you know, make sure that no matter what you're experiencing in life and how you're planning your life, that you're constantly, maybe once in a week, maybe once in a day, that you're doing something that you are scared of, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, speaking in public or whether it is trying out something new or expressing your voice or, you know, uh, uh, up, up, upgrading your skills. Do something that makes you afraid currently because once you keep doing it, you go, go beyond that and you develop the confidence and then you experience a change. So thanks a lot for sharing those wise words, Doug. Really, really useful. Action Tribe, I hope you enjoyed listening to today's session as much as I did recording it. Uh, now, we're not entirely done yet because we've got the wisdom round to go, which happens at the very end. But before we get there, let me ask you this. Is there something in your life that is not happening as fast as it should? Is there a failure that you've really recently experienced? And have you tried to achieve something? But no matter what you do, uh, it's just not happening, right? If that's the case, then I'm sure that you now have some pieces of wisdom that you can use in your life. But remember this, everything happens at its own pace. There is a time for every action in nature and that includes everything that is happening in your life too. I believe in it. So don't give yourself a hard time and sometimes it's important to let go because like someone wisely put, none of us are really doing anything. We are being done. So let the wisdom of the universe flow through you and do its magic. And with that, we are now at the very last but very important round for today, which is called the wisdom round. So Doug, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Wow. You know, it's it's interesting because I've had so many thoughts just go through my head as you were just sharing there, the idea of being content with where we are. Um, there's two things that come to my mind with that. There's a Chinese saying that I once heard that says you cannot get a flower growing quicker by pulling on it. And I think that a lot of people 
um, could probably benefit from that. The other way that that was once expressed to me was actually by Brian Smith, the founder of Ugg Boots. And I was just chatting with actually Brian earlier this week and um, talking to him about advice that he would want to give entrepreneurs or people that are building their own life or business. And he said simply, be content to be a tadpole, don't rush to be a frog. And I think that that's kind of a cool way of looking at it too, that sometimes <laughs> you know, most people, they're like, oh, it's going to be so good tomorrow. Or when this happens, it's going to be so amazing. It's going to be, you know, it's going to, going to, going to, going to. Well, I'm here to tell you that I think we need to be satisfied in the now. There was a uh, a really cool study that was written a few years ago by Time Magazine, and I don't know if you've noticed in the newsstands that occasionally they, they do those one-shot specials, you know, one on the brain or one on fitness. Or, yeah. Okay, so they did this one on happiness, and if you can ever find it, I encourage your listeners to grab it. It's definitely worth reading cover to cover on happiness, and if I could sum up the whole thing into one sentence, it is that happiness exists in its strongest form in the present. In other words, we can't dwell on what didn't work in the past. We can't dwell on, you know, maybe somebody hurt our feelings or something terrible happened or whatever it could be. That's not going to help us. Even the past good experiences. I mean, wow, I was an all-star player in high school or I won, you know, the lottery 10 years ago or I had this and had that. That won't work. And we also can't build our life focusing on the future, saying this might happen and this is where it's going to be tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. What they said is that our ultimate contentness, like our greatest feelings of support and happiness, come from just being present in the now. And I think sometimes we place ourselves in, in somewhere other than that, and that, that doesn't serve us well. Um, as part of that idea of happiness, though, I want to share one other thing, too, is that we should use our now to the best of our ability uh, as I've kind of worked with, again, now thousands of people around the world at our Personal Power Mastery event, I've heard some really cool stories of things that have happened to people in their life, but I've also heard some really tragic things that have happened. And what I've found is that the cool things are generally attached to using our now to create the consequences of a better future. And those that experience tragedy generally use their now to create situations of immediate gratification. In other words, they're focused on fun rather than joy. And those that use, and we say this, that happiness is a choice, right? Happiness is a choice is only part of the equation. Those that use that choice to create something of consequence that aligns with their highest values and gives them the greatest peace and prepares them for a future are the things that make us the most happy. And those choices are made in the moment of now. Now, you've heard it said that that, you know, that little motivational poster that everybody sees, you take the the letters now, you know, N-O-W, and you spell it backwards, and it spells one. Well, that's kind of cute, and that's okay, but here's the deal. is To create happiness doesn't mean you've got to win and someone else needs to lose. In fact, I would take those same letters N-O-W and suggest that they represent no other way, N-O-W, because the truth of the matter is, after interviewing more than 400 of the world's top achievers, I have found that success is never something that's created by building in the past or planning in the future. It's always built by taking action right now. And now, that word now, it's the most fragile word in the English dictionary, in fact. You can even whisper it, and it's gone. Now, it's gone. You only get one chance to use this very simple, single moment of now. And if you neglect yeah. that, the question I have is when will you do it? When will you do it? If not now, when? And that's why most people who have brilliance within them, and we all have brilliance, 
But that's the biggest reason why it's never realized is because we hesitate and we plan and we hope and we feel like things need to be perfect before we get started. It's almost like we have a destination. We know where we, where we want to go, but before we get in our cars, most of us are waiting for a report to come back to say all the lights are green for you to get there. It'll never happen. So you need to get going and you need to understand that maybe some of the lights will be green, but some of them won't. And that's okay if you need to pause for a moment along the way, but you do need to get started. And if you don't get started, you're going to find that time will pass and one day you will look back and the only thing that you'll have is a pocket full of regret. So don't wait. Start today. Got it. And I think that's a very, very uh, important uh, message for people listening to the show. And if I could use those letters, I would <laughs> uh, take the N or W and make it O W N because you got to own the moment. Yeah. The moment is passing by. Yes. The moment you own it and you take action for it, that's when you can experience the change. So, Doug, what is one thing you do in the morning or in the evening before sleeping that has improved the quality of your life? Well, um, I don't know. It depends what end of the day you want to start at, I guess. I do, <laughs> I do stuff at both ends, to be honest with you. Um, why don't we start before going to bed? Obviously, I find one of the most important things that I do, firstly, by the way, is to tuck in our little babies around here. And that helps give me perspective. So I'm a very family-oriented person. I make sure that's something that I do every night. We read stories. We brush teeth. We get kids in bed. Once they are asleep and in bed, then I will often read and review my schedule for the very next day just to make sure that I've got everything in, in its proper place for the following morning. Now, when I wake up, I wake up uh, quite a bit earlier than the rest of the family here. I also start the day by going through my schedule and reading. Um, for those of you that follow me on social media, you'll see that, um, uh, I guess, to give the background of it, Brian Tracy once told me that uh, if you'll read a book a day or a book a, a month on your subject matter, that you will rise to the top 10% of that industry. And so right now I read between 10 and 15 books a month, and I actually post pictures of the covers of what I've read on my social media, and I discuss that with my students quite regularly. So I'm an avid reader. Now, once my mind is full, what I actually do is then I start my physical body. And at the whole time that I'm working out physically, I still am going through the information that I've learned, or sometimes I'll even watch YouTube videos as I do it. What, one of the things that I do and that I find very um, important for me in my, you know, in, in my physical life is I actually do competitive mixed martial arts. So uh, <laughs> I also train every morning doing mixed martial arts, specifically Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And um, I actually am a two-time uh, Western Canada gold medal champion at that. And so it's something that's very important to me. And then, uh, you know, after I've done my workout, I, uh, I head over to my office and I get my team going. Let's get everybody started. Awesome. awesome. So if you could turn back time and spend one hour with anyone who is dead or living, who would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that's a pretty cool question, too. Uh, and I only have to pick one, right? I can't pick just one. more. My goodness <laughs> sakes. Because there's so many people that I admire for a variety of reasons. Uh, the reason why I hesitate to answer that question is because one of the things that I do in my life that's maybe a little bit different than most people is you've heard it said that you need to get a mentor to create success. Well, I believe in getting a mentor in every specific area of your life. Remember we talked about the five pillars, self, spirituality, or health, relationships, and abundance. Um, I actually even right now have a mentor in each one of those areas. And so for me to select one individual, wow, that's a great, great question um 
wow, that's really tough because I've got so many people that I would love to spend time with and learn from. I guess one of the ones that I think would be kind of interesting, and maybe this is for selfish reasons, one of my great-great-great-great-grandfathers was the famous Dutch painter Vermeer, who did Girl with the Pearl Earring. He's uh, a blood relative of mine, and I can trace our direct connection immediately to him. And I think he would be someone I would like to spend some time with, um, just because I believe when you look at his paintings, um, you can kind of see into his soul how he saw the world. And I think it's a very gentle point of view. And I also think that to become a master at that level, there's probably some massive lessons that he would have in terms of perspective, patience, consideration. Um, you know, I, I think it would just be very interesting to hear his point of view on a lot of different subjects. And the fact that he's a relative of mine would probably make it a little bit more special even. Got it. So a final question is, if you could recommend one book for our listeners today, what would it be? Well, obviously, I want people to go and pick up mine, but uh, there's, <laughs> there's quite a few books that I think have changed my life. In fact, if I were to suggest what I think is one of the most powerful personal development books of today, I would suggest that it's going to be Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I think it's probably one of the strongest books written in the last several decades in terms of personal development literature. I think that it's very practical, and I also think that the principles inside are uh, true in a very uh, eternal way, meaning that the laws that are declared therein are not changeable. They are indeed a very true formula for success that anyone can uh, benefit from. So it's it's been a life-changing book for me. So Action Tribe, as a listener, you get to actually get this book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, for free. Oh, cool. Uh, because Audible is offering Action Tribe listeners one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can check out their amazing service. And in case you don't know, they've got thousands of titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. And I listen to their books all the time uh, because the advantage is that you can listen to the book. So especially if you're in transit, you're on your way to work or back, you don't really have to read the book. You can listen to them. You can take notes and uh, make markings as well. So it's really convenient and effective. To download your free audiobook, uh, go to my 7 forward slash free book. Once again, that's my 7 forward slash free book to get your audiobook and start listening to the book on your phone. So Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so uh, uh, you know amazing to listen to your stories and listen to all the wisdom that you had in store for us based on the interactions that you've had, the mentors that you've learned from, and so many experiences that you've had. So it was amazing. Before uh, going, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how we can find you online. Wow. Uh, there's so many things that I'm grateful for. Um, obviously, my family is probably the biggest one. Um, you know, I, I'm just really grateful because I believe in my heart that, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, success, it really honestly has to do with our legacy and our relationships and how we're connected to other people. And, um, you know, obviously we talk about money and abundance and all these other things, but those really are actually, how should we say, um, tools that affect how we can share right? So yes. that that whole aspect of family to me is most important. And I, and I think that that's where we need to start. Now, how can people find me online? I'd like to give away some free gifts today. We've got a lot of free tools that um, that you can use to grow your, your personal power mastery and also your wealth. And so we do a podcast called Your First Million is on the Way. 
uh, on a regular basis. I'm sharing wealth strategies and bringing even some of these top achievers I've talked about on there to talk about how you can grow your wealth. It's free. If you really like what we do, then we invite you to obviously continue the relationship with us. Um, And then the other place you want to go is Personal Power Mastery. In fact, if you even just type in Personal Power Mastery into Google, you'll bump into us. And we've got, you know, obviously our website, our social media. There's a podcast for that and a variety of other things too. But there's a lot of free resources that are there. So I'd like to invite you to come just check us out. And if you resonate with some of the things that we share um, and we can serve you in your life and help you make it better, then I'm honored that we've been able to do so. And I look forward to seeing you hopefully at one of our live events one of these days. So Action Tribe, today's interview was about a little over 60 minutes. And unfortunately, uh, we cannot dive completely deep into all of what Doug has to share, especially the stuff that he's written in his book, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, So if uh, we've picked your interest uh, in terms of what you would like to learn, and if you'd like to order a copy of Doug's latest book titled Personal Power Mastery on Amazon, go to my7chakras.com forward slash 262 book. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 262 book. This link will take you straight to the Amazon page where you'll be able to learn more about the book. And if you want, uh, order it so that it comes straight to your home. So Doug, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the very important topic of personal power mastery and really breaking it down for us so that we uh, understand all the different facets that it uh, comprises of and also taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you for having me. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.